Welcome to episode 43 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversation with Sycomer trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to sycomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. On today's episode, we'll be featuring a conversation with Michelle Spires, the American Council on Education's Acting Executive Director for Learning Evaluations. In this role, she provides leadership to innovate new opportunities for ACE and its membership. With more than 25 years of wide-ranging experience in post-traditional workforce education, Michelle is actively engaged in tackling critical topics that range from the evaluation of educational experiences that occur outside the traditional classroom, credit for prior learning, military culture, military transcripts, competencies, credentials, transfer credit, and trends related to workforce education and training. She is the co-author of Recognition of Learning Across Military and Corporate Settings. You can learn more about Michelle by checking out her bio in our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with her and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. You served as the Director of Military Programs for the American Council on Education and now oversee learning evaluations for the organization. I'd like to hear more about your journey and your involvement in the intersection between military service and higher education. It's a really fun question for me to answer, and I'll have to confess now that I bring a bias and a passion to this because I love working with adult learners. My background, my education and background is curriculum and instruction. I actually started in the K-12 environment working with children with special needs. I'm actually married to an Air Force veteran who served 22 years in the Air Force and found my career in higher education while we were stationed overseas. So I started to really learn about okay, how does learning happen? Where does it occur? How do we validate that learning? And how do we set service members and veterans, or as I like to say, adult learners up for success in documenting those experiences? I've been with ACE for almost 17 years now, and I have found myself working on looking at military credit learnings in terms of teacher licensure and military credit learnings in terms of all different kinds of pathways or career transitions. And how do we best validate that in a way that can be documented on a tool and validated so a college or university can accept it and transfer. It's what we call credit for prior learning or in a way that a service member or veteran can use it for resume development job promotion and advancement. It's very difficult for an individual to say, hey, what did you do in the service? How does that correlate to civilian speak? And we're here to help at ACE. And I think that's often a challenge for transitioning veterans is they, I think often maybe the healthcare field where they say, I went through all of these certifications and now I need to get out and get another certification to be able to do what I've been doing for eight, 10, 
22 years, that's a common frustration that I hear from a lot of service members. Yeah, it's definitely about how do you break down the key ingredients of the learning into nuggets? And particularly in the medical career field, right, there are state licensing requirements and there are certain what we call competencies and skills that must be mastered where that individual service member who in the Navy and in the hospital corpsman, his or her career trajectory is going to look a little different than the Army medic or the combat medic and some of those core competencies. So customizing and individualizing and empowering that service member with his or her own credentials in a way that they can be benchmarked against those standards is really where ECE wants to provide student success and supports. And I think that's really a critical part of the transition process is because so many veterans feel like they're just starting over from nothing. I just, however long I spent, and and this is the idea of being an adult learner is the idea I have all of this experience, but then how do I translate that into what a college will accept? It's a great question. And what I like to tell uh, service members and transitioning veterans, particularly as a military spouse who's been working in higher education for over 25 years, is to DEL. We all like acronyms, right? So determine, evaluate, and learn. So determine your long and short-term goals. If you have a a career trajectory or a learning experience on the job from your time in service, but you want to make a pivot, that needs to be realized and actualized so you can evaluate and self-assess your own academic and professional credentials, because these are your experiences in order to build your portfolio and to start communicating and translate those skills. And then in terms of looking at colleges or universities, there's a bit of homework to do, right? You've got to understand that individual institutions transfer credit protocols and consider what programs of study you wish to attend. Because if you're looking for a journey in, say, an engineering field, their transfer protocols may look a little different than business or teaching or sociology. And so in order to set yourself up for success, there's a bit of ownership that goes there as part of the process. I think that first part, some of it is even determining, is what I'm doing in the military what I want to do or do I want to change? When I started off my educational journey, 10 years from my associate's degree to my second master's, but it didn't start until I was later in my career. I was in 14 or 15 years before somebody said, hey, you might need a degree soon when you get out of the military. And I think that a lot of, because especially service members are so locked into doing the military thing, they really don't consider how beneficial the the support can be getting their degree while they're transitioning out or, or even after they're out. I think in fairness, the U.S. Armed Forces is one of the best employers, I'm putting a little civilian twist on this, to inform a learning environment. And so we understand that each branch of service has its unique mission. We understand that each branch of service is developing its talent pipeline aka service members, and and training them and meeting their mission and goals. I think the awareness comes in that there's a dual value here with the learning that's occurring on the job through formal experiences and classes and through occupation, right? That career progression is valuable in different market segments, right? As that's even in promotion and internally through the career services, but also externally once you finish your term of service with that branch. And there's that's a hard conversation 
conversation to have when there's so much going on in the world. And I think that's one of the key things that sort of ACE, I was using ACE even when I was still in. We were talking about this before about using the joint service credits and it helped me with my associate's degree and even with my bachelor's degree, I got some credit. So I did not have to take all of the, the courses. I got credit for a large portion of it. Some of our audience may be familiar with sort of that kind of process, but maybe you can give us an overview of the type of benefits that service members and veterans can access through ACE. You know, a little bit of history is always important for a service member. In 1918, the American Council on Education was formed as the Emergency Council on Education to help World War I veterans return to the workforce. And ACE was also instrumental in the design and development of the GED for high school equivalencies. So for more than 65 years, ACE's learning evaluations has been validating the learning that occurs for our military services and documenting that through a variety of credential pathways. So we take a very strong vested interest in this because we're creating trust with our colleges and universities. We're confirming the level of rigor and integrity of the training that the service member is receiving. So as the employer, the Army, the Marine Corps, the Navy, the Air Force, the Coast Guard, and maybe down the road Space Force, the integrity and level of that training is useful in a variety of different ways. And we document that in a tool called the Military Guide. Now, years and years ago, these were old-fashioned books lining out the outcomes of what are the alignments to post-secondary education. That means colleges and universities. So the learning currency that we're benchmarking are semester hour credit recommendations. So as we're deep diving into, let's pick on a military course from a branch of service, we're looking at instructor materials and student materials and assessments and all the rich experiences that when you go to way to go to school for six weeks, eight weeks, 52 weeks, we're getting the full picture and making those benchmarks and civilianizing that in terms of learning outcomes that colleges and universities can use as part of transfer and award of that experience. And that modernized military guide is a tool for service members, a tool for colleges and universities, and a tool for military schoolhouses that are leaning into the training and review process with us. Why is it a tool for service members? They can get in there and see how many credits for this course, or if I have a joint services transcript, they can upload it and get a feel for what kinds of credit recommendations yield. And down the road, we envision some mapping so that the service member can see, well, if I decide I want to pursue a program at XYZ College or University, how will these credits be accepted? So we're really trying to streamline efficiencies, reimagine the information so that it makes sense to the user, automate that retrieval of information that the college faculty from across the country have validated in terms of the rigor and integrity, and make it a lot easier for colleges and universities to do the support advising and career planning with that service member as they're thinking about applying to go to school. We've come a long way in 65 years. <laughs> well, and really being able to do the same thing, right? After World War One, especially after World War Two, we hear that the GI Bill created created a number of different opportunities for individuals. And that's education yes. is a pathway to a better life and, and just experiencing it myself. But higher education is a, a great way to do something more with your life than you did in the military if you don't want to do that in post-military life. 
Exactly. It's the one thing we know for sure, learning never stops. And there's this continuum of learning. And so finding trusted sources and trusted agents in terms of validating that learning in a way that can help an individual upskill, reskill, transition experiences, articulate, communicate those experiences in more dynamic and broad ways is really where ACE is centered. And that's where our focus is with student success broad students, whether military connected or from other paths in life. And I think especially for service members and veterans, they don't really realize how broad some of these credits can really be applied. We hear the story about the infantryman who says, I can't do anything but security or something like that. But there's actually a lot of credit that can be gained, especially if you were in some of the advanced leadership courses that are beyond just the bullets and boots kind of stuff. Oh, without question. And when we start to deep dive into, let's pick on our 11 Bravos from the Army community just a touch, they have a yield of credit recommendations in logistics and in management that is really more than just infantry skills. Like when you think about a job-to-job correlation, we got to break down the key components of the learning that occurs. And it is hard to navigate what parallels or connections could be made, which is why I always go back to that determine. What is it that you want to do? Where do you see yourself? What do you love about the work you do now? What do you hate about the work that you do now? What do you know you need to learn more about in your work that would help you prepare as you're thinking about moving from the employer of the U.S. Armed Forces into a civilian job? And not only that, there's tons of other things the military makes us do. If someone who was in the infantry was a drill sergeant, for example, and I fortunately or unfortunately had a tour as a recruiter, but that really helped me because I started going to school after that, sales and psychology and a number of different things, that there are different things that the military sort of makes you do, but you get trained for that and that transfers into credit as well. Which is why I'm saying the military is a great example of a learning organization, right? Because they're constantly offering opportunities to learn, to grow. There's career paths of of progression, but at the same time, there's these little spinoff opportunities where you can pick up a collateral duty that brings along additional training and learning for the future. Love it or not. I mean, (laughs) and for a number of different ways, but even, but that's one of the things, even as I was a recruiter in the early 2000s, we weren't told, hey, this will end up helping you out when it comes to higher education. But I imagine I saved at least a year, if not 18 months on my higher education journey, just because I had some of this or, or a lot of this transfer credit. And so ACE's recently launched the modernized and improved version of the ACE military guide. What new features does it contain and how can it help service members, veterans, and those who support them advise them in higher education goals? Yeah, it's a great question because first and foremost, we started with the modernized military guide as, as a tool to really help our colleges and universities. So they've been part of co-creating and co-designing the functionality functionality of how the tool will work. So that means that how they can log in, how they can upload their college catalogs, how they can parse out service members joint services transcript, how they can use that 
tool to help with decisions on transfer credit. So some institutions have a centralized office on determining how credit should be transferred. Some institutions have to go right to their faculty member or to a chair or to a committee. It's all done differently, which is why it makes it so hard for that service member and veteran to navigate those waters of, uh, how does transfer work at XYZ College? So as it was co-created with colleges and universities, it really offered an opportunity to reimagine how the search information was responding to the way that they were seeking inquiries and the display. So rather than having separate databases for, oh, these were the military courses, oh, these were the occupations, everything is now integrated to port a holistic approach to that transfer and award decision that can be managed inside the tool. And we're working on future of connecting systems with colleges and universities. So right now we have over 650 institutional accounts tied to the Modernized Military Guide. All 50 states are represented, including Puerto Rico. And we have also pretty powerful data starting to come in on the transfer and award decisioning. So we can start to see trends. So as we're thinking about the future of military guide and supporting service member pathways, an option that is available to colleges and universities is what we call the opt-in. So you can opt in to share your credit recommendations and then other colleges that have opt-in can see those decisions as well. So now we're creating a community. So if an individual is starting, I'm going to the community college and then I'm going to go to the four-year school, or I need to transition from active service in North Carolina, but then I'm going to find my way to Colorado. We can start to create more transparency in these decisions to make service members and veterans more informed stakeholders of their own credentials. They can have that information up front and, and understand how that can work for their goals. Again, determine those goals. No, I appreciate that. And I think back to my educational journey, I started out active duty. But one of the things is that I specifically chose my four-year institution because of the easy transferability from my community college. But I had to do a little bit of that homework. And it sounds like that this streamlines that process a little bit. I'm wondering in your experience over higher education, why would universities want to do this more? Why would they want to partner with ACE to get more student veterans, adult learners, into their institutions? There's definitely been quite a bit of research that shows what we consider the learner success and completion, right? That looking at what an individual brings to a class through the credit for prior learning process helps that learner to complete and attain their degree goals and objectives. And that's really important for colleges and universities. We know learning is going to occur and folks are going to ebb and flow in and out of the doors. And it may take years. It took my husband 22 years while on active duty service to finish his bachelor's degree. And that's okay. There's no judgment in that. Helping to leverage his military connected learning into alignment of credits saves time. It also reduces costs in terms of overall the number of courses, but it really validates that learning in ways that career planning can occur and you can start to unfold that. So why do colleges and universities want to do that? They want to make sure that learners are completing and being successful. So that persistence and completion, but they're also really good students. There are quite a number of studies out there that show that the learners who are committing to this are 
really focused and not as willing to accept low grades or it's one thing to have an incomplete because you're on a deployment mission and you're going to circle back around and complete. But those are the military learners that actually do complete. So veteran success, military connected learner success is very high for colleges and universities. They also know that this is really important to what we consider our social imperative. How do we continue to help upskill reskill many careers, many colleges, many degrees and jobs require degrees and credentials in all walks of life, in all sorts of arenas, even certificates and licenses, whether you need a welding certificate or whether you need a teacher license or airframe and mechanics, AMP, we want to document the learning that occurs. So what an individual learns is more important than where and how the individual learned it. What we want to make sure we're doing to help colleges and universities is to ensure we're validating it for consistency and trust in the learning experience so the individual is successful and feels empowered to own their credentials moving forward. No, I really appreciate that. Obviously, when people think about college students, they think about my kids, 19 or 20 years old or, or so on. But And I know that I, I tried a semester of college when I was 18 years old, and it wasn't for me then, right, right. In, in any way, shape, or form. And it wasn't until I, I circled back around 15 years later that it was for me and I was in a place. And as I understand, institutions of higher education, adult learners make up a significant almost a majority of the number of college students these days. That's correct. And the population is continuing to grow. And particularly as folks are finding themselves in one career and looking to make a change to a different career, or as technology is driving kind of new workforce competencies with data and data science or cybersecurity and technical skills, that is continuing to grow. And even in our community colleges where you're looking at let's say, what we used to call trades, it's no longer just trades. Welding is an applied science degree in community colleges. These technical skills and these frontline support work and constructions trades and engineering coding, these are very important. We need more skilled labor in these areas, and they're also associates-level credentials with colleges and universities. So the market of our economy is changing in ways that colleges are positioning and also rethinking how to accept that learning currency, maybe thinking about curriculum and instruction redesign. Some institutions are on the forefront of breaking down what used to be three semester hour courses into smaller chunk learning experiences. So those milestones and benchmarks can be achieved, continue working, flow back in, get some more benchmarks, continue working. And so the story continues. Yeah, this has been really great. If people want to find out more about the Modernized Military Guide, how could they do that? Visiting ACE's website, of course, you can use the search function just to hit military guide. If you want a direct link, it's www.hcenet.edu forward slash military guide. Anybody on active duty, they should talk to their academic advisor, their education counselor at the ed center or the virtual ed center, depending which branch of service you're in. And then the defense activity for non-traditional education support, Dante's is an amazing resource for service members and veterans. There's quite a few tools on I'm thinking about going back to school. Am I really a distance learner? There's some cooter journey tools. And then of course, credit for prior learning also includes testing like CLEP, 
and DSST. Maybe you love to self-study. Maybe you have an opportunity and some quiet time to read a few books. And the next thing you know, you can test out of a history course. Not to veer away from the Modernized Military Guide, but to open the aperture of all things credit for prior learning. There's a lot of opportunity to think about. So the courage is for service members and veterans. What questions am I not asking that I should be asking? And run the ball. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. I'm going to make sure that all of those links are in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Michelle. My pleasure. Always a passion to talk about this. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. I enjoy all the conversations that I have with our guests, but the topic of education is a particular passion of mine. I'm appreciative of the opportunity that the military gave me with the educational support that I received. I joined the military back in 1992 with the idea that it was a good way to get out of my dad's basement and get money for college. But as I mentioned in the show, college wasn't where my mind was at back then. It wasn't until later that I fully realized the benefit of taking advantage of the military's educational opportunities, first tuition assistance when I was on active duty, and then the GI Bill when I retired. That being said, it was hard work. Hard academic work, of course, but being an adult learner was difficult. I was working full-time while going to school, if working full-time can be described as serving in the military. The first seven of the ten years that I was in school covered temporary duty assignments, deployments to Iraq, Afghanistan twice, and North Africa and then working full-time after retirement, but still in school because the bills had to be paid, right? But one of the points that Michelle made here was that it was necessary for the service member or the veteran to determine, evaluate, and learn. That was critical for me. I knew that I didn't want to do what I did in the military for a post-military career. I had to determine what I wanted to do, and then I had to figure out the path to get there. I was still in my associate's degree program when I realized that I wanted to be a clinical mental health counselor, which required not only a master's degree, but a particular degree from a certain type of accredited program. It took a lot of planning on my part and a little bit of luck finding the right people at the right time to give me the right advice. And it took perseverance. Sometimes it took not taking no for an answer and pointing out the regulations that would allow me to do what I was trying to do. Self-advocacy for our wants and needs is an important part of life, and the ACE Military Guide is an important tool for you to have or to give to veterans that you work with to support that self-advocacy. The other point that I'd like to make is something that Michelle said towards the end of our interview about the military being a learning organization. What are the premier training sources for the military's officer corps? Institutions of higher learning, the Air Force Academy, West Point, the Naval Academy. The military is a learning organization, and it's a teaching organization. Going back to what I wanted to do when I left the military, I was in Bosnia in the mid-90s and had an opportunity to get out of the military and go to the Green to Gold program. Choice was either that or re-enlist to become a non-commissioned officer. My NCO asked me what I wanted to go to school for. Back then, and for a long time, I figured I'd be a high school English or history teacher. He told me something then that stuck with me for the rest of my career. That's what an NCO is, a teacher. Maybe not the kind of teacher that you think of in a high school English class, but a teacher of values, of tactics, fitness, hundreds of different things. And while teaching, I learned. I learned the things that I needed to learn for the next stage of my career, and the military taught me those things as well. The military is constantly teaching, training, developing new coursework for training, evaluating old coursework, breaking down how to help people learn an infinite number of tasks, everything from how to disassemble and assemble a pistol to how to navigate a satellite in space. 
The investment in learning is mind-boggling, and as I mentioned in my previous point, that investment can pay huge dividends for the service members themselves. It's great that ACE has such a long history of partnering with service members and veterans to give them the credit for all the learning we received, and I recommend that you check out the Revamp Military Guide to learn about how they're supporting those who served. For this week's PsychArmor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the PsychArmor course, Choosing College and a Major. Each year, more than 200,000 service members leave the military in pursuit of higher education. This course discusses the array of options available to service members, veterans, and their families while selecting a major and choosing a school that aligns with their needs. An overview of the many tools and resources available to aid in their decision is provided. This course is narrated by Jared Lyon, President and CEO of Student Veterans of America, a U.S. Navy veteran and longtime advocate for higher education. Lyon served as the Vice Chair for the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs Veterans Advisory Committee and Commissioner for the American Council on Education's Commission for Education Attainment and Innovation. You can check out the course by going through the link in the show notes. So thanks again for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psycharmor.org forward slash BTM43, as well as on the PsychArmor website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, We would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.